What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Impact Show. This is your friendly neighborhood talent strategy nerd, Dr. Jim. And today, we're going to work on understanding why you can't admin your way to becoming an elite team. Unless you're focused on a people-centered approach, you're never going to reach the fullest potential of your organization. That is an important lesson that Elda Della Pena is going to be taking us through. She's the current Chief Administrative Officer and CHRO of Tri-State Generation and Transmission Association. She's been in that role since June of 2022, but she's actually grown up in the organization in a lot of different senses. She started out as a human resources manager and has climbed the ranks in greater and greater responsibility, and now she's a CHRO. And an interesting fact about her background is that she actually was in the print media space before she moved over into this role. She's held a lot of different roles in HR. She's uh, seen a lot of things in terms of industry changes and pivots in the organization. Elda, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Super excited to have you on the show. And I'm really looking to dig in some respects to some of the transitions that you've had throughout your career. And that could be within your time at Tri-State or between your time in print, media, and in your transition into your current role. But before we dive into all of that, let's take some time and get the listeners up to speed. Tell us a little bit more about your background, maybe some of the stuff that I didn't include that you feel is important to the conversation. Thank you so much. I would say that one of the things from my background that has been incredibly helpful in what I do is always being willing to take on new things. So I did start um, here at the organization 26 years ago, did pivot from print media, which is a totally different world, but coming to Tri-State Generation and Transmission, which is not-for-profit electric utility, really helped me understand how much a mission of an organization was important in my career. Because as a not-for-profit electric utility, our main mission is to have electricity in rural areas, which is very different than a for-profit organization. So that was key for me to stay as long as I have in this particular organization and grow with HR. And then also my willingness to just learn a lot of different things. You start out in one area. I started out in benefits and then moved my way up and helped with recruiting, helped with organization development, helped managing a lot of areas. I like the fact that you pointed out that you've been in a lot of different areas throughout your career, but you started out in uh, on the benefit side. Was that an intentional decision in terms of your career progression plan or was that just something that just happened? I think both. I really enjoy benefits. When I was working in the print media area, I did a lot of, I managed a lot of the benefits for the organization. So that was, that was really my background in that area. But then when I moved to this particular organization, I got exposed to benefits I was not a not familiar with, like workers' compensation and some other administration things. And so it was an opportunity to also learn. One of the things I truly enjoy is tackling something new. And that was an opportunity to tackle something new when I came here. So not only was it a totally different industry, 
it was an opportunity to learn something I hadn't managed specifically. But benefits has always been one of the areas in HR that has always been my favorite areas to work in. The other thing that I was curious about, a lot of people, when they're used to moving from industry to industry, sometimes they end up being really surprised by some things. And in other instances, they're not really surprised by anything because there's a lot of common ground between industries. What was your experience when you moved from print media to not-for-profit power generation? Was there anything that stood out as a significant learning curve or difference that you weren't necessarily prepared for? I don't know that I would say I wasn't prepared for it. It was more such a culture shift of how we treated our employees and how employees were seen. When I was in the print media, it was all about the advertising and getting the stories and the deadlines. And when I moved here to, to Tri-State, it was really about the people and the culture and the community. So it was, I would say it was a good surprise because it felt very natural for me and it felt much better as a person to be working at an organization that valued its people in that way. I, I'm already digging the people-centric theme that we're establishing in this conversation. That's going to be a, a big element of the conversation that we're going to have. Let's get into it. When you look at your time at Tri-State and you think about all the things that you've accomplished and everything that has changed since you started there, what's the accomplishment that you're most proud of during your time here? It's what happened last year when we did the whole reorganization and actually leading that change, helping the executive team get through the change, helping our employees get through the change and being trusted by my CEO to manage that. HR hadn't reported to directly to the CEO for a couple of years. And when I started doing that in 21, it felt like a great accomplishment to be able to report to the CEO and have him trust me and trust me to manage that because it was huge. Our organization does not change a lot. Electric utility industry in general is very static. And so to be able to be trusted to do that meant a lot to me and feels like one of my best accomplishments. There's an element in that dynamic that probably deserves us pulling on the thread. So it's an industry that doesn't change much or is a, it has a level of inertia to it. You have a situation where HR is reporting directly into the CEO. So when you're faced with those two dynamics, I wouldn't have been surprised if another leader would have picked the safe route and said, hey, let's just do the core blocking and tackling and call it a day. How did you get away from that mindset? I would give credit to our CEO who started with our organization in 2019 and our board of directors selected him because we had an understanding that this organization and this industry was changing and transforming. And we needed someone who was open to change to do that. And so when he started and he made a lot of changes and I saw that happening, it was for me, it was exciting because we hadn't done a lot of change in so long. And so to see that occurring and being able then to in 2021 have a seat at the table, I think that partnership with the CEO was what helped because he was so open to new ideas from the HR perspective and the people perspective. That's really what's propelled that change forward because it's difficult. But we hired him, the organization hired him to come in and make those changes. And so he was already there. Now, it's the other executive team and, and the rest of the organization that needed a little more push, a little bit more enthusiasm. I think there's still some of resistance to that. But our CEO really led the charge and supported that. And I think that's what's really helped us get there. One of the things that's really important to call out in what you just said is that if you're working on any sort of transformation initiative, if you don't have a key advocate at some of the highest levels within the organization, you're going to have 
probably a significant level of challenge in driving that change forward if you don't have somebody that's that's actually committed to that mission or that vision that that you've set out. You're already working through that transformation. When you think about moonshots that you want to accomplish over the next year, 18 months, 24 months, what's the big moonshot that you have on your radar that you want to get done? Yeah, the biggest one is getting this uh, project that we've got going, getting our enterprise system up and running. It's not just an HRMS system, but it's a full enterprise system. We've, we're actually on year four of getting this thing implemented. There's been a lot of reasons why it hasn't worked, but just getting that done would be amazing. And I think our entire organization would be thrilled. And then also a true moonshot would be to really revamp how we do benefits and how we do total rewards at the organization, because the workforce of the future is so different than uh, when I started 26 years ago. And I think it's time that we totally revamp how we do it, how we communicate it, how we get employees engaged and excited about it. So I opened the show by saying that if you want to become an elite team, there's no way you can admin your way to becoming elite. And I also noted that unless you're taking a people-centered approach to whatever you're trying to do, you're never going to reach full potential as an organization. How is that related to your game-changing realization in your career that really helped you build elite teams? As uh, we started establishing our plan for a reorganization, we hired an executive coach for our executive team because one of the things we realized is that our executive team for lack of a better description, was, was slightly dysfunctional and weren't all really moving in the same direction. And we needed that help. And bringing that executive coach on, um, he really helped me to understand that this is about teamwork, but isn't about Elda transforming Elda because I can't do it by myself. It's about the organization transforming together in a collaborative effort, right? This is about teams doing things together. It's when I really started looking at how we do HR and how we're seen and perceived in the organization. And you start looking at it as we're seen as the policy followers, the administrators, the, the people who help administer the different benefits, but we're not seen as partners. And we're trying to transition that because partners are the ones who help the entire organization do things together. Because if things are HR policies, then it's not really owned by the organization. And to transform, you have to have that collaborative team effort. And it has to come from the top down. You have to have buy-in from your executive group. And then as a leader, I need to be aware of what those issues are that I can help my team then move forward. And then we can work with other departments to also get everything moving forward in the organization. So it's a complete team effort and collaborative effort when we're looking at this. So working with my executive coach, it, it really gave me that aha moment about I, I've got to stop being the person who always says no and be the person who says, how can I help? So I don't want to downplay the level of lift that this takes because it's a big lift. And when I think about what you're describing and put it in context of the organization that you're in and the industry that you're in, I guess one of the questions that I that immediately comes to mind is you got the executive coach, so that makes sense. But after that, how do you even get started in changing the mindset and the behavior from a task-driven organization to a partner-focused organization because that partner mindset is a different way of thinking. It's a different set of behaviors. How did you get the ball rolling on all of those things? Yeah, no, that's a great question because, and I'll tell you, that is something we're still working on. 
right? That's going to be a never-ending process that we have to work on. And we started as an organization, we started by getting a consultant to help us see where we could change. But then we established a group called the Change Management Office, and I'm the chairperson of the Change Management Office because we realized we need a cross-functional team that's going to help this organization move forward. And so this team is made up of people from all over the organization. There's eight of us on the team, and we get together once a week to say, how do we do this? How do we communicate? We've got communications on the team, strategy, finance, HR, and together as a group, we have collaborated on that. And I'll tell you, we've done some good stuff and some other things, but we are not, not so good. But we've established ways of communicating with our employees. And I think you improve that communication and then establish other groups that are cross-functional. And we've done that in a variety of different areas where we're also getting feedback across the organization. So it's not just HR saying, gosh, I wonder what people want to do. We'll just go this way. Actually listening to our employees. So we have developed this method of getting together with this team of change management people. And then we listen. We invite people in to tell us where the challenges are so that we can come up with ideas on how to help them change. So it's become this collaborative effort of HR with other groups to actually come up with the strategy on how we're going to communicate, roll out, and do all of the change management. And then we report to the CEO and, and give him feedback on, hey, during town hall, could you please talk about this? Or could you please also talk about here or do a video to help our employees. We roll out training in some areas and say, okay, now we need to do some training for our employees on change management. So we have just really taken it upon ourselves to be the change champions in the organization. Wow. It's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community. Get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR impact. And now back to the show. I like a lot about what you said. I think one of the things that stands out is you have to have some communication fundamentals that are built at the executive level. And then that starts the process of filtering down the message. I like the fact that you've talked about not only listening, but also acting on some of the things that you're listening for. I think one of the common gaps that occurs is you might see momentum at the executive level. You might see it at the senior leadership level, directors and VPs. A lot of the impact is made at the manager and individual contributor level. And a lot of these transformation initiatives fall apart at that stage, because a lot of people might not be connecting the dots. What did you put into place, in addition to what we already talked about, that helped make sure that you don't lose momentum at the line manager level, at the individual contributor level? So we implemented a few different things. So one, our organization had never done engagement surveys, and we implemented engagement surveys in 2020 as our listening tool. What are employees thinking? Because we can assume all we want as far as what employees are thinking. But it doesn't help. And through the engagement survey process, we also established a group called an employee advisory committee made up of people from, I think, 40 different employees from all over, including our power plants, our line crews, everywhere. And we said, hey, here's the engagement survey results. Tell us what this means to you and how we can improve in the or at the organization. So it's not the executives making the interpretation. It's not HR interpreting the result. It's this team, which, by the way, we facilitate, right? We still have the HR team and our strategy team facilitating this discussion. 
but we are asking them for their feedback and saying, we need to improve the organization, but we can't do this without your help. And so establishing that type of team was great. We also then put together team under our change management office of different employees to run by some of our communication so that we can say, does this sound right? Or are we totally off base in what we're trying to tell people and how we're communicating? And via these two different groups, we're coming up with some action items that we can present to our executive team to say, hey, this is what the employees are saying. This is how they want to see the transformation of the organization, because we can say everything we want. Oh, yeah, we believe in the change. But unless you actually have that action, then it's, it's not going to happen. And we're currently still working through some of those items because one of the feedback, some of the feedback we've received is, hey, OK, we gave you the information. We've done the engagement survey. Now, what are you going to do? And we're using these teams to come up with ideas on what we can do. My mind keeps going back to, okay, this is an organization with a level of inertia because industry and sector and all of that sort of stuff. I would imagine that you probably encountered some resistance at the field level or at the line level where people are hesitant to tell you anything because they're like, oh, I don't want to say anything, get in, get in trouble. So how did you overcome that? Yeah, and that's and we still have resistance. I'll, I'll tell you, we one of our one of the benefits of being in this industry is we have very long tenured employees, but it's also one of the things that's hard because those employees, not all of them, but oftentimes are resistant to change. But we did get that question during one of our sessions with our employee advisory committee and the other group that we set up because they were concerned that they might give us real feedback and that they might have retaliation. Did they have safety in actually having that type of feedback. And we we can tell them all we want. We said, look, this is a safe space. None of this is going to get back to anyone other than this group. This is a collaborative space. But then we also have during our town halls and that we have an anonymous comment area where people can submit their questions because people are afraid to ask our CEO directly or they're afraid to ask us on our team some questions because that there is some concern and some resistance from employees who are think that something bad will happen. So we've established some areas, so, some channels for this anonymous, for the anonymous question so that we can address those. And then they feel that way that they have an avenue to be able to ask that. But during group sessions, when we're actually meeting in person with some of these advisory committees, we assure them, and it's the best we can do, we tell them, hey, you've got a team here who really wants to listen. And this is why we've established this. And no, none of this is going to get back to either your executive or other employees, it's a safe space. It's the best that we've been able to do to assure that confidentiality with that group. I, I like the anonymity that you've built. And I think when we're thinking about best practices, the more you can reinforce the anonymity and the different channels that you can use to ensure anonymity, that certainly helps participation, especially if you have resistance at the employee level. So it sounds like this process is evolving and it's moving through pretty well. If somebody else is looking to execute the same things that you're trying to execute in a similar context, what are the things that you've learned that you didn't expect that you want to get on the radar of those folks that want to implement this sort of change or this sort of transformation? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of lessons learned since we'd never gone through anything like this. And 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 is empathy for employees. I think it's important for everyone at the organization and HR um, to have some empathy because I was very excited about the change. And one of the things that I realized is no matter how excited I was about the change and I'm sprinting down the path of change and 
you have to remember that there's people behind you who really maybe are uncertain about it. And how do you help them get there and help them come along? So it was a lesson for me to realize not everyone's excited about this. So how do we help them come along with the change as well? Another thing, establishing our change management office was a great thing for us to do to get the collaboration. But one of the things, the messaging is be really careful on how you message change when it's coming. One of the things that we could have improved is how we messaged it because we started messaging that we're going to have a reorganization and a realignment. We started messaging it in February of 2020. And then we didn't really do anything until June. And so it became something that really created a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress for our employees. And hindsight on, on that one would have been to not have messaged it quite that early on. And there were some reasons why we did that for better or worse. So messaging with your employees, one of the things that we heard our feedback was, please don't message about a message, right? If you're going to do something, don't tell us that it's coming and it's coming. Have a plan or be more transparent about what's actually going to happen because a lot of employees were affected by it. And so that was a lesson for us on how we manage that particular piece of change. Elda, this has been a great conversation when we think about building a roadmap or building a, uh, a framework for how you execute transformations that are people-focused and people-centered. There's a lot to learn out of this conversation, but I want you to close the loop on all of this. When we think about how to get started, how to execute well, what are the big things that you would call out from your experience that listeners need to pay attention to when they're looking to execute this level of transformation? That's a great question. One of the first things that I would recommend is that as a leader, if you're the one who is charged to go forth with this, is understand your own strengths and weaknesses. It's something that I needed to look at internally because when once you understand that and you understand where your weaknesses are and you can help yourself develop there, then you can help your team and your executive group to start moving through that. So I think it's incredibly important to be self-aware of where we are because we all may be great at our strengths, but understanding our weaknesses is incredibly important. Also ensuring that your executive team is aligned. We had some issues with that early on and through our executive coaching, got the executive team aligned. And that was definitely something that helped our organization because the employees saw that we were aligned. And so that helps them buy into the change. Also incredibly important for HR as a group to partner with their internal communications team. It's one of the things that we could have done better when we were doing this. Uh, we part with an outside team. We were concerned about leakage. And I think that was a disservice to our communications group. I would have gotten them involved a lot sooner, get them involved in the strategy for communicating any kind of realignment, any kind of reorganization, and really partner with them. And I think that really helps with a very strong transition whenever you're going through any kind of transformation and developing cross-functional teams. Getting people together from different groups really helps to show that HR is a partner as you're moving forward through this instead of the people who are dictating how this is working. You get so much more buy-in when you have those cross-functional teams helping through the transformation. That could be like a TED talk right there. So I appreciate you sharing that. So Elda, if, if folks want to continue this conversation, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on LinkedIn. Happy to connect with anybody on LinkedIn. So I would invite them to send me messages, friend me on LinkedIn, and, and I'm more than happy to continue the conversation that way. I appreciate you hanging out. When I think about this conversation and all the stuff that we covered, one of the things that came to me as we were winding down this discussion is how do we build a framework for executing this transformation really well? 
I was paying attention to the entire conversation, be a crappy host if I didn't do that. But the, the framework that came to mind follows the AMPS framework. And here's what that means. So if you're looking at executing transformation, the first thing you need to do is align your key stakeholders. Then you need to message what needs to be done across and throughout the organization effectively. The third thing you need to do is pace that change or that transformation so that it's not overwhelming the broader enterprise and especially your individual contributors. And the last thing that can make sense is that you have to sequence the, the changes in an appropriate way. So again, you're not overwhelming it. I just thought that sequentially it made a lot of sense. And the things that you were talking about really fit into that framework really well. So I appreciate you sharing that. There's a ton more in this conversation that I think people are going to find value in. So I appreciate you hanging out and walking us through your transformation experience. I think your point about alignment around uh, people centricity around building a listening culture, those are all foundational things that a lot of organizations miss when they're trying to do these things. They just want to execute fast where they probably should be more disciplined in those areas. Elda, great conversation for those who have been listening into this discussion. We appreciate you hanging out. If uh, you like the conversation, leave us a review and then tune in next time where we'll bring on another leader walking us through the game-changing realizations that they had, which helped them build high-performing teams. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.